are Kate and Monique, two friends who practice true forgiveness in their daily life challenges using the Course in Miracles. We share concrete examples of how to undo the ego mind way of thinking. The results are as surprising as they are amazing. So, I am Monique. Hi, I'm Kate. And this is our podcast, You Can Undo It Too. Yes, and today I'm going to share a story about how I undid a stump. So it's called the stump story, isn't it? Yes. So tell us how you were dealing with your daily challenges and how you undid whatever you needed to undo. I live next door to a neighbor. We all have neighbors. This particular neighbor has a, has, we have lots of old trees in our neighborhood. One of the trees that was on his property fell onto my house. Hmm. Picture 100 foot tree and five feet or larger, maybe six feet in diameter. Hmm. Splayed across my whole house, <laughs> flattening you know, a section of it and doing structural damage. So it was, it made a very big noise and it was a very definitive thud, not like a, not like a branch falling on your house and kind of that you could push off. It was like an apartment, right? Right. It was like an apartment building fell on my house. It was there. It was in my house and on my house. And it eventually required a, a crane. Oh, wow. To get it out. Right. So, yeah. So that made the fence and the deck and also your house? Yes. Yes. Did structural damage. But so we didn't know most of this, although it was a little scary to have a tree in your house. But my neighbor, so my neighbor was a court, is a corporate lawyer. And even though we've lived next to each other for many years, maybe over 25 years, you know, I try to keep my distance from him, kind of live our own separate lives. I know some personal things about him, which I keep private to myself. As we're moving along, dealing with the tree, we didn't hear anything from our neighbor at all, Mm. at all. And it wasn't until my husband was having the we had to have the tree removed in sections. Mm -hmm. So the first stage of the tree removal, when he was having them come and remove the parts of the tree that was, were on the, actually on the house, he called our neighbor over and said, take a look. And the neighbor responded by saying, that was a huge storm last night. It's the only thing he said. So again, it was not something you could miss from his yard. Mm -hmm. You can't like unsee Mm -hmm. because it left space where there was no space. You know, it it brought down privacy trees and fence. When we were finished cleaning the debris off of our yard, which cost a ridiculous amount of money, thousands, thousands of dollars, he mentioned only one thing. And that is, that it would be impossible 
to remove the stump that was left in his yard. It was impossible to remove that stump from through his yard. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned the reasons. Well, we have pavers, we have a iron fence, we have landscaping. It was so surreal, but I kind of believed it in some weird way. I was stunning, actually. I was really stunned. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned this about three or four times in the course of the eight months that went by with the, the tree and all that's been going on with it. So all this stump story, I mean, we have been talking just uh, basically we are doing the Course in Miracle together. So whenever something big happened, we just talk to each other. So I, you know, I, I understand that. But I just want to say the thing that I can see is that you made the description so real. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, and this is exactly what we do in life because when something happened to us, we feel that, especially when we feel attacked, you know, we feel that we have to be right and to defend ourselves. So we just gather all the, all the possible information that will make it real to other people to whom we describe that. So we spend a lot of time in details and reinforcing the wrong and the blame and, and everything, isn't it? That's, you know. Yes. You know, I mean, that's not what and I, I have said to you right away. I would not have said, you know, oh, you make it real. No, I mean, I'm not, I listened to you at first, right? And then eventually we just figure out what's going on. Yes. And, you know, at first I was, I had a lot of things to attend to. I had to find a contractor. I had to find people who would patch up the roof interimly, temporarily, to keep the snow out, there was a like a three by two foot hole in a part, a part, a part of our roof that through which the snow came. And it was real. I mean, I believed it. Yeah. You probably felt like a, a victim a little bit, like an innocent victim. <laughs> and, and yes, you know, that's and, my story. Right. That's right. a familiar tale. Yeah. But you probably did not think too much about it because like you said you were busy you know taking care or, or looking at the damage but that pattern of victimhood is so deeply buried in you that you were not able to detach yourself from what was going on yet you were not an observer you were like in the battlefield and that battlefield of feeling a victim and finding somebody to blame or to blame yourself uh, sometimes, it's so well-known and comfortable to you that maybe somebody else would have reacted by being angry and, and creating a scene in defense. Um, that's another, another way of the ego, you know, but both of them are anyway, ego mind, feeling a victim is also uh, part of the ego mindset. Plus that pattern of feeling a victim and him being a corporate lawyer, that could be a good match. But in retrospect, the fact that that you could have perceived him as somebody who doesn't have any social skills because he did not apologize, he did not come, oh, I'm so sorry, what is damage in your house? And, you know, nothing like that. That is true. It was 
And I did not exert myself to say anything more than my, what my husband said. I didn't initiate a conversation with him. And I was a little scared right. of getting in trouble or getting, I mean, he's a lawyer. So I figure he knows everything about the law and I don't have any rights because I am like, ultimately, like that is my kind of feeling about it. And if, if I were to have any say in it, it would be through fighting right. with him. Right. And I knew I didn't want to do that. Right. That's that was familiar to me, you know, getting in a feud yeah. with this, your neighbor. Yeah, that's one, not what you do. You, you prefer to be a victim and you know that one. I know that one. <laughs> and I know the feuding. But I, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to create something different. However, it was, you know, he wasn't making it easy for me, Monique. Right. You spend a lot of hours uh, dealing with the insurance company. That's another... Oh, my gosh. I mean, and then there were all these distractions. Like, I mean, when I say hours, I mean 20 hours or more. Yeah, over several days, right? Oh, over many days. And there's another example. I felt that I was going to be taken advantage of and ruined by my house homeowner's insurance mm. because... I mean, they're known to do that. Right. It takes so, their time, right? Oh, and they obfuscate and they wear you out. See, I'm saying it right now. Actually, they. Do, I mean, that's by design. So, you know, I was going to be worn out and I wouldn't have enough time to give it. And I right. would lose it in frustration and give up because that I'm familiar with. Right. So there was uh, the neighbors and there was the the insurance company. So there was like really not much uh, help around, right? Except maybe your family members and, and yourself, how you are going to think, how is your mind going to work through the, all these things? So you probably shared the story, remember the story and maybe dream at night about it, <gasps> right? Oh my God, I did dream about it. You're right forgot about that yeah. it was very real mm -hmm. and yeah oh god i think i got screwed in my dream too <laughs> but you were saying that you don't talk to your neighbors about it uh, other neighbors no no i did not it was a good thing that i didn't uh -huh. but as in, in a yes i exerted good judgment exercised good judgment with that i did not spread it all around the neighborhood right I mean, it was really hard to wrap my head around Yeah. because it's not a good thing that he wasn't communicating. And it was like a challenge. It was a challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you felt alone in the whole, in the whole oh. story. Yes. I felt totally alone and like he had all the power and then I was inevitably not going to, this was not going to go work out for me. I'm wondering if um, somebody would have, you know, let's say, seen the the stump and, and the tree on your house and everything. Some neighbors would have come and said, you know, if you want, we can uh, help you with that or something. I wonder if it would have been the same. Maybe your subconscious wanted to enjoy a little bit more time with that victimhood 
You know, it's interesting how sometimes the ego just makes up the, oh, I want to be good and not to spread that to the neighbors. And then and then maybe deep inside, we we can know that, well, that way and that neural pathway, how our mind, how brain works. And the brain probably goes on that track so easily that um, maybe you wanted to continue in that victimhood as well you know those two things well yes I mean I mean I was miserable when I thought about it that way yeah and yes it it doesn't feel like I have a had a choice in choosing that victimhood Mm -hmm. at the time Mm -hmm. it was real I mean it was real the tree fell now there's a stump in the neighbor's yard and the only thing he wants to talk to me about is how the stump in his yard needs to be removed through my yard. Yeah, that's it. That's I mean, it. how insane is that? Right. But this I didn't say, like, this is the thing. I didn't have the wherewithal to say, Steve, what are you saying? What I mean, of course it's possible to move a tree through your yard. Yeah. Yeah, you, you did not even say that. Yeah, that's no. interesting. Yeah. Almost like you were subdued or, or you were buried into that victimhood, and that knowing 100% that you would be screwed and you would not come out of it, right? The, yes. e- the ego uh, mind enjoys making us victim and enjoys making, making somebody wrong, blaming, confusion, sadness, des- despair, and all this thing. And uh, in the middle of one of this, sometimes we feel that we are the good person and they are wrong and we think we are right. And But whenever we are in the situation where we feel we are right and they are wrong, this is always a catchy moment because this is the moment where we judge. And uh, when we judge, we judge with our experience, with what we so it's never really a, a, a fair judgment. And this is where we have to stop and switch and, and choose another way or a better way. So just we have to keep in mind that in, in every story of our life. Yeah, so probably you were focused on on a better way at one, at one time in your story, right? Oh, yes. Yes, I, I was, I mean, through talking with you and remembering that I can uh, switch. Yeah, so so basically we can switch in the, and at some time we are okay and a second time uh, you were okay and, and the other time you would have a landscaper that would come or, or the, the, a neighbor that <sighs> oh, would right. tell you a story. Yes, there are a lot of people who would agree with me that my neighbor is a jerk, mm-hmm. by the way, mm-hmm. including the landscapers that we that basically most people in the neighborhood use. He came over and t- talked to me about the tree and he said, oh, you know, your neighbor's a jerk. He's a bad man. His dog bit a member of my crew and they never apologized for it. Yeah. And then you had the uh, experience with a neighbor's dog uh, barking at you when you got scared, right. right? Right. So they have a guard dog and 
the dog charged the fence. This is something the dog had done before. And it scares me, but also it makes, I mean, I just got so angry because I knew they were over there. So the dog is attacking in attack mode at the fence that is between me and the dog. But now the fence is broken, remember, because of the tree. Oh, so you were scared a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So what I did is I, I yelled at the dog and told him to shut the fuck up, which, you know, then I felt guilty about. Then you try to talk to get some your family oh. members to kind of agree with you. and Yeah, I try to recruit them. Like my daughter was out there. I'm trying to recruit her to speak up and yell at the dog. Right. <laughs> like, that's a good idea. Okay, so I did that. And also I, but uh, again, after stopping and, think, and thinking, what, what do I want to come out of this? Mm. I Googled what to do if your neighbor's dog attacks you. Mm-hmm. And the first thing they said, I mean, the, the dog did not attack me, but it charged right. at, at the fence that was broken. But the first thing I saw in Google was, don't yell at the dog. But then I forgave myself. And, and this is the thing about forgiveness. It was like, I was able to not shrink away in fear and guilt. I was able to move forward with problem solving. So the next thing I read on Google was to communicate with the neighbor. Now there's an idea. <laughs> communicate with your neighbor. Yeah. Oh, something I had not been doing. Yeah. So I did. I sent a little email and their reaction was at first a little defensive, but also they directed me to their son who was willing to help me understand the dog and kind of retrain the dog to recognize that I'm here. And their son is a beautiful human being. And he he modeled for me how you uh, empathize with someone rather than immediately defend. He was the model of that. Mm-hmm. He, he taught me how to accept the dog, how to accept myself. Mm-hmm. It was just an amazing right. gift. Right. It was like a little... Uh door opening uh, like a relief in the middle of the storm type of thing yes yes yeah when when this happened it's it's probably the result of you stepping back from that storm and being more like an observer and then uh, the intensity of the the issue is lessened so that's why sometimes we must stop and step back and then find a, a different way of thinking. We call that a right-minded thought. And so once we step away by a storm of strong emotion where we're really triggered and, and in that way, we should take a deep breath. And that's what I do. I just stop, but take a deep breath and then ask for help inside of myself. And um, I call on the Spirit of God, or we also call the Holy Spirit. And then we see that we get some kind of help that doesn't seem big at that time for us, because we really don't know at that phase what we need. Our mind is not 
straight. So mm, we right. um, we see some kind of help, and uh, but the help is always when we think back or when we look at it, uh, retrospectively, it's the right amount of help at the right time and in the right way. It, it's like it's amazing how that little thing happened. And when we realize, oh, that was exactly what I needed at that time to to move forward, you know. So that's why it's uh, it's like um, you know when we are in a movie theater and we see the whole scene, you know, and uh, we get involved in it. We cry, we our heart beat faster, and all these things. Or it's like a dream at night where you know we wake up and. We just completely distress and we feel bad. We think we died, and and then we, we realize it next second that it was just a dream. So it's same. We kind of <laughs> wake up from that big story and say, "Oh my God, it's not real. It's like a dream." So yeah, you were projecting probably all these people, right? Yes, I. I didn't know that I was projecting. I wasn't aware. But that's what happens when you step back, I think. Yeah. Is I get more distance from what's happening and I can see that it is like a movie. And I can watch myself expecting to be victimized and really wanting to be right about that. That's the piece I it's hard to see from within the movie. Right. But when I look at myself as the director of the movie or the author of the dream, I can watch myself gathering evidence for my victimhood, mm-hmm. you know, right. listening to the landscape or, you know, not communicating when I heard him say absurd things. This is all I see. I was able to see part of my, my act. Yeah. You know, my routine. Right. Your interpretation, how you interpret the yes. situation. It's all in the thoughts, isn't it? Yes. And it was only much later through conversation with you that I could see that my interpretation of the situation was all in my thoughts. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the fear that I was experiencing was all in my interpretation. Mm-hmm. Right. It was not getting better, is it? No. Yeah. It had reached its max. Mm-hmm. For you, it was still part of not only a story, it felt really real. So, you know, when we reach that point and we ask for help or we share the situation with somebody else, sometimes we get, we realize you know, what's going on. But how did you go from the point of the max and sharing with, with me or somebody else and then forgiving? And uh, how, how, what what happened, you know, and, and think that he's innocent? I mean, you know, how do you do that? How did you do that? Well, f- <laughs> first I had to call you and I was, I remember I was thinking, there's no way out of this shit. Mm. I was suffering. I was guilty. You know, I'd yelled at the dog. And you reminded me once again that this is just a dream and that I was the author of the dream. It feels awkward at first to hear that. 
Yeah, awkward, yeah, for sure, because um, we're not understanding it. We just uh, might know it, but we don't understand how it applies to this situation. Because this no. situation looks so real. Oh, yes, this one. This is the exception. That's right. I called you in hopes that you would kind of come down to my level. I was you know, going to give you some gossip and you were going to say, oh, my God, that's awful. Yeah. But... I was willing to see an opening there. And that's because, first of all, I was able to become aware of how I was suffering. And secondly, I was aware that I had the ability to choose a different path, a different teacher. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I have a past pattern that feels very familiar of being the victim, but I also saw that I had cast the neighbor as the evil antagonist and myself in this role. And neither I nor the neighbor was free. Mm, good point. Once I could see he was an actor in my movie, mm. I could also see that the role that the landscaper played in telling me he was a bad man and all the evidence that I had that he was a bad man, I could see their role in the movie. And I realized I was projecting my own thoughts and actually no one had done anything wrong. They were acting from their own life experiences, their knowledge of how to react. Mm -hmm. This is all that they know. Mm -hmm. And that's all I knew to act from my past patterns. Mm -hmm. A tree fell, then my interpretations followed. Actually, nobody did anything wrong. And then I could forgive and let go. Wow. That's amazing. When we look at at all the situation and ego and, you know, what, what is wrong, what's right and everything, then if we take side and we think we are right and they're wrong, then it's difficult to find a solution. But when we look at the ego without judgment and do nothing more, we are not in judgment anymore. We we don't think we are right or, or, or they're wrong. We just let it be nothing anymore. Then we understand at that point that nobody is right and wrong. So we can reason it a little, a little bit out. And there's a kind of freedom into that. And so that's what I noticed after a few days. I called you and my first uh, question was, well, what happened with Stomp? You still have a Stomp? <laughs> and uh, it seemed to me that you even had even forgot, oh, the Stomp. And you had almost yeah. forgotten about it, even so nothing was happened, right? Nothing had happened. Yes, I had forgotten about it I, because I was free to focus on other things and literally out of the blue. And people say this all the time and I don't believe them, but it really did happen. I was, I uh, woke up in the morning and looked out the door and saw the arborists on the other side on, on the neighbor's yard doing the thing that the neighbor had told me many times before was impossible, which was cutting up the stump and moving it through his yard and they asked me a simple question, like, could we come over into your yard to 
chop something from your side? And I said, sure, just watch the flowers. I think I had pictured when he told me, when the neighbor told me that it, the stump could only be removed through my yard, I just assumed that my property would be damaged. This is totally crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And I just needed to accept that. That's part of the victim pattern, yeah. Yes. But when they when the the arborists were there, I just it was nothing. It had no charge. Right. What did you tell them? That the I said, sure, go ahead, just watch the flowers. <laughs> and then I left. I didn't need to manage it. I just went back into my house because he was on the neighbor's property. Right. Right. I released it. You know, there was no problem anymore to be solved. I was willing to see my neighbor as innocent, mm -hmm. and therefore I was innocent too. Right. And you felt because free. Because it was just my projection, and I felt free. Yeah. Yes. Free and no more stress. To summarize, you know, the first step really was the realization that you were triggered, to realize it, to say, okay, I'm triggered. And then stop and step back as an observer out of the battlefield and then see that it's a projection and then own the experience and say, well, I am the author of this, but oh, I can't believe it. This is what I have created in order to manifest what I always manifest, whatever that is for you at that time, it was being a victim. But at that time, we don't know for certain that, you know, what's going on, what's happening. But this is a time to, it's like a little uh, window opening to choose between ego mind or not ego. And so following that, you can decide what feels better. And, um, you know, at the time, ask for help if you need to. And then you realize that everything can be forgiven because nobody is wrong. It was just interpretation. And then after that, once you release that, it's like this space for something to happen. And this is exactly what happened. It's like we call that the, the miracle. Yeah, it's something unpredictable. Mm -hmm. Right. Sometimes can be achieved in a second. And it's like, oh, wow. That's that's pretty good. I didn't expect it would be that easy, right? Yes. But that experience had a gift for you. Oh, yes. When I look back at it, I ask myself, would I have done anything different? And I think the answer is no. And that's because of the what I learned from that experience, which is there's no right way to forgive and there's no right time. It's never too late to forgive. And when I do forgive, I free myself. Right. Right. And that opportunity to forgive that which has never happened and to realize that nothing has happened is amazing. I mean, it's just, it's, it's like a secret weapon. And it's never too late. You can do it any time. You can even per forgive what happened in the past right. or we thought happened in the past. Right. Right. Well, thank you, Kate. It was very nice for you to share that wonderful experience. And so we invite everybody to listen to episode number two next month and to subscribe. Yes, see you next month. And thank you for listening and letting me share. And remember, life is just a dream. 
Wake Up With Us. Thanks to our sound engineer, Pat Kicklighter, and our program coordinator, Rachel Wortham, at Resonant Recordings. Special thanks to Adam Rizvi for going first, making mistakes, sharing the knowledge.